0: put within her and we thank you that she has offered you her life and um, just wants to draw on that heritage to reach others with your power with your healing power and your transforming power and so lord we just bless her now and we ask you to bless her too we ask you to anoint her To anoint the message that she's got for us this morning. And Lord, would you make us ready as well? Make us ready to hear what you want to say to us, Lord. And we pray, Lord, that you would change us this morning. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. That's well, so we'll probably have to fiddle a moment, won't we? Can you hear me at the back? No? Yes? How far back can you hear me? Oh, okay, you really can. Excellent. Wherever you go, they put these mics in different places. It's very odd. Okay, well, it's great to be here. It's great to see you all. And it's a wonderful um, presence of God in this room already, isn't there, because of the worship. And I'm sure because this is a church that proclaims the gospel and where God's word is spoken. It, returns to him, and we're blessed just by entering places where there's that otherness that we can sense. Um, Whenever we do, we meet every Thursday night at a small support group, small team, and we ask God for his particular take on wherever it is I'm going to be speaking. And we had two particular words, I felt, um, for you, and I'm going to ask You to stand. You're two groups of people. You may actually respond to both words, but there's just a few of you, but God really wants to just minister you straight away. There's some of you here who feel um, neglected, overlooked, not listened to. And, um, yeah, just generally, even if you do have a word, you don't expect anyone to take you seriously. You feel very neglected and overlooked. It may not be true. It may be that you feel like it because that's how you were treated as a child, or you may be in a situation where you are neglected and overlooked. So that's one group. There's two or three of you like that. And then there's a couple of you. You've struggled to get here this morning, either because you've had a husband who didn't think it was a great idea to leave him on a Saturday morning, or because your children didn't think it was a good idea. And you've had to struggle to get here. So both of you groups of women, if you'd like to stand, God wants to bless you here and now before we begin. So stand up, please, those of you that applies to. I think there's one more. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Father God, thank you that you know the wounds these women. Um, just someone come and put their hand on them. Just, just go near and just, just so they feel loved. There's two at the back, one's hiding all. Just put your hands on them, just so they feel. Father God, we thank you that you know the difficulties these women have experienced. Thank you that although they may feel um, neglected... Overlooked, not listened to, ignored, not taken seriously. Thank you that that isn't true for you. That you gave us this word because you want these women to know that you do not neglect them, you do not overlook them, and you listen to them. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And Father God, for those who've had to struggle to get here, be it, um, I think for one of you, there's sort of your husband was quite resistant. Um, I pray, Father God, you'll take authority over those words. Take authority over those words that were spoken, that have um, caused you to feel slightly guilty to be here. And I pray now you'll wash your daughter clean. From those words, and have her know that she's in the right place. That being here with you now is um, your desire for her because you love her and you want the best for her. Thank you, Father. Amen. Okay. Now, you need to let those words go deep into your hearts because I don't get start conferences the same. I don't have the same words everywhere. These were real words for you from God. And you need to learn how to receive them, let them sit in you. I thought this morning I'd um, start by telling you something of um, my own story, actually. Um, before I'm going to talk about this morning, set apart... Um, And I don't want to talk about it in the way that, you know, we need to be uh, so holy and different that people think we're peculiar. Um, Nor am I, do I want it to be such that we um, are so fearful of being peculiar that we never are any different at all. So I'm going to try and talk down that middle place of the everyday ordinary, um, which is why it's called Set Apart. And I'm going to talk about time before the break, and then something about our view of ourselves, our attitude to ourselves, our attitude to ordinary, and how to bring about transformation. Um, I'll probably just do time before the break. I may do a bit more. But I thought I'd start by telling you something, my story, because I've realised over the years people tend to know me as someone who gives talks, or someone who helps on ministry teams, or someone who writes books, all of which is true. I'm also a wife, mother, grandmother of six kids, and that's all great as well. Um, of course, my main identity, as yours needs to be, is that of a daughter of a king, not as someone who's a conference speaker, or writes books, or, or even someone who's a Wife or mother or grandmother. You know, we need to have our identities as as being daughters of the king. The other things are the side effects of that, really. The benefits. So, my story. Well, I was born into a totally um, non-Christian family. Um, My parents were very sociable. Um, We weren't... My mother loved the ballet, she loved the arts, but we weren't very middle class, but we were very well off. So we had quite a lot of money and therefore the general view was that no one needed God. My father had been um, in World War II, so I suspect that damaged him as well. So we didn't need God. And I was viewed as slightly peculiar because I did ask to go to Sunday school when I was about seven... And my mother said, Definitely not, only funny people went to church. So that was my little first um, thoughts. Um, but I did ask for a Bible, and um, my aunt bought me a picture Bible, which I absolutely loved. But one day, when I was um, out in the garden, I heard my mother talking to my grandmother saying, I'm very worried about Linda. My real name's Linda, not Linda. Very worried about Linda. I think there's something religious about her, and I just hope she doesn't ruin her life. <laughs> so I knew at that point to not talk about it anymore I, because I didn't want to worry mummy. And that's been quite a difficult thing to break through, this idea that you worry people um, if you're slightly different. Um, or you embarrass people. But my main thing is I didn't want to worry Mummy because Mummy had enough on her plate anyway because my sister was very sick, very poorly. She had asthma and eczema and took up all of the attention. So I was a good girl in order to not rock the boat and not be any trouble and not to worry Mummy. So I never spoke about it. I wanted to go to grammar school And so I started to pray when I was about 10 years old um, to um, go to grammar school. I named the grammar school I wanted to go to, and in that lovely childlike faith, I said I'd like to have the letter on a Wednesday. I don't know why I said that, but I did. And I prayed every day that I would pass my 11-plus and I'd have the letter on a Wednesday. So in due time, after I'd taken my 11-plus on a Wednesday, the letter came to say I had an interview at the school I wanted to go to. And I passed the interview. The other part of my prayer, because I come from a family of self-made businessmen, shopkeepers, all of that, was a bargain. If you do this for me, God, I will pray for you, to you three times a day forever. Um, so off I go to uh, grammar school and... Um, I did quite well, I think. I started in the September praying three times a day. I didn't know Jesus. I only knew about God a little bit with my picture Bible. And I prayed three times a day, thank you, I'm at this school. And I think I packed it in about the following April, which considering it's, that's all I prayed three times a day, and it is so boring. I mean, I can't tell you how boring it is to pray the same prayer three times a day with nearly... Not nine. So I think I went through to about the April. And then as I hit um, teenage um, years, of course I knew everything, as all teenagers do, and I knew there was no such thing as a God. It was merely an emotional crutch that some needy people needed and I didn't. And I didn't at that level of my thinking. However, once I got married... And for those of you of mums, um, you know, a baby in the middle of the night with a high temperature or being sick or something like that. Um, that place where actually you don't know what to do and you are slightly out of control. That is very often the place where we decide we do need something, even if it's an emotional crutch. But I've got this pattern of bargaining. And so I would pray things like, and my oldest son's called Simon, if you if you get Simon's temperature down, God, I promise to um give up gin and tonics. That would be one of my prayers. <sighs> Which I would do for a couple of days. And then um, I'd think, Oh, it was silly, what was silly, it's a I was in a panic and emotional crutch, there's nothing wrong with him. Or different times something else would go wrong and God, if you do this for me, I will um, stop swearing. Never promised to give up smoking, actually. Um, uh, All sorts of different deals I'd do. And then I'd go off the idea. When my uh, youngest started at a little local uh, prep school, I used to park behind this girl who had a sticker on her car saying, you need Christ. And I used to look at her. Now, I remember I've got only funny people go to church in my head. So I used to look at her and I think, well, she's got a very smart coat on and she seems quite normal. Um, (laughs) So that was quite interesting. And then... She turned up um, at the school with a newborn baby and she hadn't been pregnant. And I thought, oh, here's my opportunity. Because uh, my youngest is adopted. So I said to her, are you adopting him? So she said, you must have an adopted child because no other mother is speaking to me at the moment. And I said, yes, I have and I know what it feels like. Because no one knows what to do with you. You haven't been pregnant. Now you've got a baby. and oh, oh, oh. So, you know, it's one of those things uh, that people don't know how to cross. I uh, talked to you, but not about this baby you've got in your arms. So I said, yes. Yeah. So she well, would you like to come for coffee? So I said, yes. Now, I want to go to coffee, not because of the adoption. I'm going to coffee because of this sticker. But, but, of course, I can't bring the subject up, can I? Because in my family, you don't talk about sex, money or politics. I sex... Uh, money, finances, finances, is money, politics, or spiritual things. No, don't talk about those. You only have superficial conversations if you're out. It was some idea of what good manners were, it was peculiar. Anyway, so I go around there, and she makes the coffee. And while she's making the coffee, I can see all these Bibles on her shelves. So I thought. Oh. So when she comes in with the coffee, I say to her, um, "I see you collect Bibles." <laughs> So she says, oh, well, I'm a Christian. So now at this point, I say the most ridiculous thing because I don't even believe it, but I think I'm embarrassed now because she's gone and said something like that. So I said, well, I'm English as well. <laughs> she said, no, no. <laughs> no, I'm a, I'm a Christian. And what that means is I believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that he died on a cross for our sins and now lives in heaven. And I, I said, are there any other people like you? Because the whole thing is a sort of statement that just seems so enormous. So she said, yes, that's what Christians believe. Oh. So anyway, she gives me this book when I leave called Into Battle by Arthur Wallace. Um, it's quite a strange book to give someone who's not Christian really because it's all about spiritual warfare and all about... All sorts of issues like that. But chapter 2, which is obviously why she gave it to me, is a prayer you can pray to ask Jesus to come and live inside you. And, but the basis of the prayer was one of saying, sorry that he hasn't until that point been the centre of your life. Now, that made sense to me. I also knew that if you did something properly and religiously, you had to kneel down by the side of your bed So I knew that. So I kneeled down by the side of my bed, shut my eyes, and then half opened them and read this prayer out loud. Stayed there for a little while, and nothing happened. So I saw her a couple of weeks later. I said, oh, how how are you? I said, oh, fine. I said, I've got that book in the car for you. I'll um, give it back to you. I said, because I can see it is lovely for someone like you. But for someone like me, it doesn't work. I can't do it. I said, I can't do it. It doesn't work. And she said, well, you don't understand very much, do you? Which slightly annoyed me because I thought, well, why should I? You've told me this whole new thing the other week. She said, well, you don't understand very much, do you? So I said, no. So she said, is Christ within the hope of glory. Now, that is the oddest thing to say to someone really, isn't it? And yet, at that moment, it was such a Holy Spirit. Um, I I think she was surprised she said it. And I, at that moment, knew everything and nothing. You know that place where you suddenly have revelation and you think, oh, but another place inside you, you feel so small, up against the King of Kings and the God of the universe. And I'm standing in the playground... And I had this picture of the throne room of God and this um, light coming down into my heart and going back up into the throne room. And I thought to myself, I didn't say it, I thought I'm part of an eternal circle of love. That's what it's about. Which is complete revelation from a nowhere place to this connected place, this Christ-within-the-hope-of-glory place. And I, the reason I'm telling you all of this is partly so you'll know me a little bit, but also because this is the essence of being set apart. It isn't about what we do or how we do things so much as knowing that we are Christ-carriers we're Christ-bearers. We have the light within us. And before we do anything or say anything, we are actually carrying Jesus into our community. We're carrying Jesus into our family, into the shop, anywhere we go because we have that Christ within, the hope of glory. We are part of an eternal circle of love. So you'll we'll go practice this. Just practice it. Put your hand on your heart. Put your other hand up to heaven. And say after me, thank you, Jesus lives in me. Thank you that I am joined to an eternal circle of love. That I am part of your family, Father God. Thank you, Lord amen now if we really practice that i could go home now because it's transforming because it's um it's the truth of who we are romans 2 verse 12 in the message says you'll be changed from the inside out and again we so often want to change we're desperately desiring to change very often. Um, some of our change, though, is quite a negative thinking. We are often um, want to change so that we can live as we imagine we should. Don't know what it is, which of course makes it so negative, but it shouldn't be like this. And so we're trying to live and change to how we think we should be. Or... Suspect how other Christians are. And so we're forever wanting to change so we can experience what they experience or be what they're like. Um, and the truth is, of course, when we're like that, we live with a mild, unexpressed disappointment because we're trying to change ourselves and we're trying to become something or someone that probably God hasn't told us to become. It's how we think we should be. Or how we imagine all those other people are. However, if we uh, understand that it's God who changes us from the inside out, it's transforming. But this truth often goes very unnoticed um, because we're still so defined by what we look like and who we are on the outside. We are driven very often to believe by the world. That accomplishments make us happy. And we subtly spiritualise into thinking um, that lots of God accomplishments and lots of God achievements will not only make us happy but will keep God happy as well. This is our spiritualized bargaining. It's very obvious when I talk about gin and tonics. And we think, oh, that's silly. But we spiritualise it and we do it in other ways and we start to think if we can accomplish much, we'll be happy because we'll be pleased and God will be happy. The other way the enemy deeply deceives us, um, almost without us knowing it, is into believing um, we really have to achieve something or be someone before God can use us. This is such a lie. We do not have to become perfect before God can use us. Now, we know this, of course, at our head level, you know, where I am weak, God is strong, and all of those things. But at another level, we've got to prove ourselves, either to ourselves or our group leader or the church leadership, or to God, before we can be of any use. This is a complete lie of the enemy. All God wants is our hearts and minds open to receive from him. Then he can use us. It's as simple as that. We've also got a very funny idea of what using us means, of course, as well. Um, But we do often have to repent of our striving. No matter how well-intentioned our striving is, um, it's God who changes us from the inside out, and our striving normally hinders the work of the Holy Spirit. There's a wonderful uh, little playlet by um, I think it was um, Riding Lights, and it was a picture of God and Jesus looking down at the world, and God saying to Jesus, "Oh, I'd have thought they'd have been more ready than this by now," and Jesus is saying to God. I know, but I've had a lot of help. So often we're helping God in a way that's hindering anything he wants to do. You know, I often think of children when you're going on holiday and they want to help you pack. Because we love them, we let them. And then when they go to bed, we unpack and start all over again. And so often with God, you know, our striving um, hinders his work. Because if we want eternal change, rather than temporal results, we have to allow God to change us from the inside out. And this is um, the process of letting God love us. And as we let God love us, just let him love you, he allows him to radically change us forever. Because we're loved. Being loved is what changes us. Stops us striving. In the message, Romans one verse 12, verse one, sorry, Romans 12, verse one says, so here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. God helping us, God always with us. This is our passport to the set apart, to the God-filled life. Jesus promises to be with us, Emmanuel, as a divine presence, as the Christ within, as the enabler. He promises to not leave us. We'll never be bereft. Christ comes and dwells in us, guarding us, guiding us. And so we always need to hold in our minds we are never alone. Now that doesn't mean you won't feel alone. Doesn't mean that you won't feel lonely. But that's our emotions. We need to listen to our emotions. We educate our emotions. We nurture our emotions. We don't let them define us. they are like children. You need to listen to them, reassure them, educate them. But, I mean, households that let the children have the final decision are very chaotic. If you let your emotions have the final decision, you'll be chaotic. We are never... God doesn't leave us. Once he's come, he doesn't leave us. We will experience aloneness and loneliness very often, but that's because God wants to heal something in us. You know, if we... I'm going slightly off. Let me just explain. If we've had a dad who wasn't able to help us make decisions, if we've been left to make decisions on our own inappropriately, at an inappropriate young age, if no one's been interested in us, we've been neglected. When it comes to time to make a decision, that wound will come up and we'll feel alone. What we have to do is say, thank you, Jesus, you've promised never to leave me. I'm feeling alone. This is something that needs healing, this emotion. And I need to just know you're with me despite my feelings. And we speak truth to ourselves. Speak truth to ourselves. So, we're never alone. God's always with us. Now, what about the word every day? It says in our everyday, ordinary lives. Every day means today. Not yesterday, with all of its remorse, regrets, its if-onlys. Not yesterday, with all its... Loser nostalgia. You know, I was only ever happy when. If only I hadn't have done that. Holding on to the past, either through guilt, denial, resentment, is a waste of our valuable energy. It robs us of the presence of God. God's here now in today. Hanging on to the past wistfully, longing was l- that life was how it used to be, is very destructive. Or, if we're not doing it nostalgically, doing it by um, trying to change it by continually repenting. This controls us. You know, sometimes we're so fearful of releasing the guilt of the past to Jesus because we have to face the consequences of what we've done, and accept the loss of control. We have to close the door. Let go. We need God's power, Christ's power, to transform us and heal us today, now, so that we can remember the past without destructive feelings or destructive thoughts. And we need to learn to stop being controlled by the past so we can be grateful for today. And one of the words we had was that God wants to redeem our past failures. Now, for me, I spent years, years, continually um, going back over old things, re-repenting of them, or doing some inner healing on them, or praying that they wouldn't have wounded my kids, or whatever, whatever. Continually trying to fix the past. And in the end, uh, God told me to close the door, which sounds easy, doesn't it? It was incredibly difficult to just close the door on the past and leave it to God. Because I realised in the end what my difficulty was, it was a control issue. In some way, by continually repraying it from every single angle I could think of, um, I wanted to change it rather than let God change it in his way and in his time and to close the door and not keep revisiting it now of course we can remember the past but we're not meant to remember it either nostalgically or with um, that remorse regret trying to fix it and we had a particular word that some of you need to know that um god Let's get the exact word. God wants to redeem our past failures. Okay. Yeah, we've got time. Those of you who know that you've got some regrets and remorse or wishing something was different, living in what I call a parallel life, The if only I'd gone to that university or if only I'd... Oh, it's a dramatic one, but if only I'd married that person instead of that one or whatever. All those if-onlys or failures and repentance of the past. If you'd like to stand, we're going to ask God to help you close the door on the past so you can live in the, future, in the present. Okay, there's a couple of you I know there are. Stand up. That's it. Okay. Okay, 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 okay. 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 Now, those of you standing around, if you feel able to just go and put a hand on someone's shoulder, um, I'll do the prime from the front. Father God, we want to lift up to our past. Now, those of you who have been prayed for, just relax. Don't do any praying. You're going to be the ones receiving. Okay? And first of all, I'm going to pray for those of you who look back nostalgically with the if-onlys. Just put your hands up, those of you who've got this nostalgic looking back with a if-only, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. Thank you. Put your hands down just so I know where you are. Father God, we lift up to you this illusory, if only nostalgic view of the past. And Father God, I pray that where it's become um, a fantasy as well as just a looking back, I pray now you'll take authority over that... um, a fantasy part of the mind, and you'll cleanse it with your blood, Lord Jesus. And you'll release your daughters from the um, power, the hold that the past has on their present day life. Break the power of the if only, I break the power of the regret. And I pray you'll come with your presence, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Okay, now those of you with past failures or past sins and past things that you really wish you hadn't done, I'm going to pray for you now. Okay, now for some of you, you might, just in your hearts, you need not say it out loud. You may um, want to say sorry again for the very last time. Okay, you're going to make it a very last time. If it's a particular sin, just in your hearts. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. So now, those of you who've said sorry for the very last time, receive your forgiveness in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Receive your forgiveness and settle in your mind. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. Come with your healing there. Come with your healing. Come with your healing, Lord. Settle in your mind you're not going to confess this again. And for those of you who keep going back to this past failure, this past events and praying about it again and trying to bring in fresh healing or whatever, you're going to stop praying about it. It's very difficult, but honestly... Trust the past to God. It's what he's saying. Trust it to me. And so, with the eyes of your heart, I want you to turn over the page. All that's written in your past story of failure, of sin, of how you've wounded people, let people down. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Turn over the page. Turn over the page. And let go of the past to God. Not letting go into into nothingness. You're giving it to God. And he can bring the healing. The forgiveness. Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. Holy Spirit. Come and turn over the page. Father God we want to let the past be past. And as hard as it is we release it to you we release it to you and we trust you thank you we trust you thank you Father we trust you for today and we trust you for all of our sin all of our failures everything we've done wrong thank you there's nothing we could have done wrong that you cannot bring um Redemption to, healing to, and forgiveness to. Thank you, Lord. Amen.